hello everyone and welcome to another episode of lords of limited my name is ben warney and joining me on the line as always is ethan Sachs, or should i say eighth place competitor at the scg pittsburgh team sealed event ethan Sachs. how does it feel is it true that you just needed to shed the dead weight of your podcast co-host on your team to finish False. in eighth place <laughs> False. did not need that at all I, I missed you missed you dearly this weekend but i had a good had a good replacement had a good team and yeah went uh took eighth place uh just locked out of top six on tiebreakers um for the the top six which is what ended up being like okay then third place through sixth place play one more round and then top four do a draft and then top two do a team draft etc but really really happy with our performance this weekend at scg con pittsburgh if for folks who didn't know there was a 20k seal or team sealed event uh, in my hometown so i had to do it and had uh stunlock ftw and strix familiar come on in to join me for the team sealed event and we got eighth place which is super exciting yeah that has got to be an awesome feeling. I was living vicariously through you on Discord <laughs> all weekend while I was stuck at state concert band finals and the Kentucky Derby Pegasus Parade on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I was uh, making sure to update you. We had a we had a real maximum sweat. We were like two one into three one into three two, and then have to win out because you there's eight rounds on day one, but you um, have to get X and two or better to make day two. Uh, and we were like, all right, so we're at three and two. Either can we please just lose the next round or win out? I don't really want like maximum pain to go five, three. And luckily we managed to do that. But that's great, right? Playing magic for stakes. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? That is what it's all about. Yeah. And this was like, I mean, usually I get pretty nervous. I think the team aspect made me feel a little more settled. And I mean, the team aspect, certainly I've done that before, but not with success, really. And, but it's also nice to like share in the losses and be like, all right, well, we're all bummed or whatever. But also really nice to be able to celebrate because oftentimes, you know, if you make day two, you go to a GP with friends and they don't make day two, you feel like you sort of have to temper your excitement around them. But you know, that wasn't the case this weekend. Yeah, I am beyond thrilled for you all. And just great for the podcast too to rep, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we all had all our lol swag. I got to dole out some of our new tokens courtesy of Inkling Customs. Got to meet a lot of fans of the show. Had like, you know, the uh, a person who won the Legacy 5K on Sunday came up to me and was like, hey, I'm like getting into Limited and your podcast has really helped. So it was awesome to meet a lot of fans of the show and the stream. And thanks to everybody who was there and came up to say hi or asked me to like, I <laughs> had someone who had me sign four golden eggs for them. Um, <laughs> nice. So that was very cool. Uh, so yeah, very, very awesome to get to meet a lot of folks who enjoy the content we're putting out there and i'm excited to uh, i'll give you all, all a little mini tournament report in just a little bit boom sweet so let's get into what we got to do today ben i'm gonna really have you drive the bus for most of the episode because i have all of my focus the past few days has been on prepping for the team sealed event so i've you know done some drafts but haven't been thinking about draft i think in the the very critical way that you have over the past few days so you wrote out a bunch of great show notes for us today so we're gonna be talking about how we're running the streets of new capenna um and i'll be giving you all a little tournament report about how my weekend is going but i think you know team sealed evaluations you know i'm not really thinking about pick orders i guess that much because i was just doing sealed pool builds um but the card evaluations i think are there and honestly for folks who haven't done team sealed before team sealed decks should feel as good or better often than draft decks for sure um so uh you know if you think like oh well it's sealed ethan's evaluation might be a little off they're a lot if you've never done team sealed it's a lot closer than you might think in terms of how sealed and draft are often a little bit different the delta there isn't there um but before we get into that a few housekeeping things to take care of first things first is the patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose and boy howdy 
is the Patreon the place to be this week. We have a ton of new folks to welcome in to the Patreon and to the Discord, which is the place to be at the start of a new set. You know, we're just a few days deep in this recent new Capenna, which is kind of wild because it does feel to me like I've been living with it for a little bit. I guess like partially doing, you know, the paper pre-release over the weekend, last weekend, and then doing the early access event and now it being on and then just sort of like diving deep into playing paper magic all weekend. I feel like it's been with us for a lot longer than just a few days, you know? Format solved. It's done. We broke it. <laughs> I don't know if it's solved. But yeah, speaking of breaking the format, the Discord is breaking the format wide open at the start of a new format. So that's the place to get in. We've got a lot of other great stuff over at the Patreon as you move up the reward tier ranks. And of course, we want to welcome in our new patrons the first week that they join. So Ben, you're going to have to join me in welcoming this week's new patrons with Jens, Nathan, Don, Stephen, Rod, Sam, David, Felix, Siddler, Spencer, Mike, Risico, Christoph, Jacob, William, Christian, Johan, Dennis, Brad, Christopher, Matthew, Jason, Max, Michael, Paul, Dylan, Phil, Mel, Wyatt, Brandon, Ben, Michael, and Dave. I haven't gotten this from you in a while, Ben. Can you give me a classic? Holy patrons, Batman. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Those folks know what's up. They want to get in on the Discord on the beginning of the new format. And if we have given you some advice or some help and you want to get in on the Discord as well to say thanks, we would love to have you on board. In addition to those folks, the show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball. Channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need Magic the Gathering related. We talk about CFB Pro all the time, usually dunking on ourselves, saying that Pro is right for them (laughs) and also me, you, and Alex. But Uh, There's some more sweet stuff going on for CFB Pro in addition to the articles that we're writing. LSV is doing an AMA and Ask Me Anything for CFB Pro members in Discord on May 24th at 3 p.m. Pacific. And I believe Reed either just did one or is doing one this Wednesday, maybe? I thought it was last week, but it could be this week. Yeah, maybe last week. But there's sweet stuff going on for CFB Pro in addition to just the content. And you literally can do CFB Pro for free if you are buying Magic cards at Channel Fireball. You can sign up for $9.99 a month, and you get that amount back in store credit. So if you're going to be spending money on Magic anyway, get on CFB Pro and shop over at ChannelFireball.com. In addition to that, they're doing weekly giveaways for CFB Pro members, and they've given lots of booster boxes away already many more to come each and every week so get in on cfb pro while the getting's good and also new capenna is out as we've seen so if you're getting any sealed product or single purchases maybe for pioneer decks for standard whatever now that paper magic is back in business please make sure for anything you do over at channel fireball that you use code lol all caps to let them know that we sent you over there boom all right you ready for a little team sealed event story time ben i am make me feel like i was there Okay, great, great, great. Um, So uh, we did some prep in advance of the weekend separately, you know, going to pre-releases. I played in the early access event on Tuesday, got some drafts in once it was live on Thursday. And then uh, Charlie and Matt, my two teammates, flew in on Friday, went and grabbed them from the airport, uh, dropped our stuff off at my house, and then went down to the convention center to do a last chance trial, mostly as a way to, you know, just dust off the cobwebs of paper magic, get used to the registering of your pool. If you've never done that in in paper at at one of these high level events, you know, doing sealed, you get like a checklist of the cards, you have to mark down what's in your overall pool, and then what cards are getting assigned to each of the three players. And for team sealed, if you've never done that, what you get is 12 booster packs, and then you have to make three limited decks out of those 12 boosters, you have about an hour uh, uh, for deck building in that sense. Um, And I got to say, you know, we did, I guess, the last chance trial. Uh, Matt sent us like a practice pool over the internet before then. Then we did another one when we got back to my house that night, just opened up 12 packs and messed around with it to get some more practice of like how we were going to dicker and deal between building the decks and then seeing who wanted to play what and like finessing the final builds, etc. 
And I got to say, this format is really hard for Team Sealed. I mean, Team Sealed is often a very interesting and complex puzzle, but I've never done it for a multicolored set like this before. And honestly, the like the choke point felt like the two drop slot. Like e- often the decks that we built, I was like, yeah, this looks fine, but the curve doesn't start until three. And getting good two drops was really hard because a lot of them felt like they were occupied or your pool felt like it was dictated by, as Ben likes to call them, the big four, right? The, the two colored two drops from four of the five allied color pairs. Like if you got those, that felt like it dictated things. Like on our day one pool, we had two Jet Mirrors Fixer, the red green uh, gold common, and then we had a stimulus package. And we were like, I guess we should try and see if red green can get there. Um, and that's what we ended up doing. And like, similarly, it just felt like, okay, do we have body droppers? Let's try and build red, black. Do we have uh, the snooping newsies? Let's see what blue, black looks like. And if you don't have those, it was often tough because you had to split the two drops. Otherwise, if you were splitting a color, like two players are going to play white. Well, you know, you then you've got the backup agents and you've got the Rafines informants, but like who gets what? How do you split them? It was tough. Yeah, my thought going in, you know, usually when we've done these in the past, we had an idea of decks we wanted to build or color mm-hmm. pairs we were hoping to build. And just knowing what I know about the draft format, I think without having done any team sealed at all, I would have been thinking red, black, and then splitting up, you know, blue, green, and white into whatever two decks made sense. I think that would have been my plan going in. Did you have a similar thought process like that at all? Yeah, my thought process was every deck, because I think red, black is the most consistent deck at common. And so I felt like that's probably going to be the deck that you get a lot of. So if like you open body droppers, you should try and build a red, black deck if you can, and maybe even without body droppers. And I think we were also thinking we should expect that we're going to be facing a red, black deck every match or, or nearly every match as well. And I should also say for Team Sealed, you know, it's not like for folks who have watched our team drafts before, you know, when we do those against team resources, that's one where you play against everybody else on the opposing team. Team Sealed is not like that. Each player is assigned to a seat. So you have your A seat, your B seat, and your C seat. And then when you have your match, the A players play against each other, the B players play against each other, and the C players play against each other. So you're only playing one match, and then whichever team wins two of their three matches wins that match for the round. So, you know, you don't have to worry about having a good matchup against a bunch of stuff, and, you know, maybe there's some thought about, like, you know, are people going to put their most aggro deck in the middle so that that player can finish first and then be able to help out the, you know, the people sitting on either side of them or whatever. We didn't really, that didn't really come into play for us, but, you know, that's something to think about. But yes, I agree. I was thinking definitely, like, red, black, is probably going to be the most common deck you'll see and then some form of splitting up green blue and white very cool so in the last chance trial that we did on friday which was a total of could have been a total of five rounds and if you win all five rounds then you got a buy for round one on day one on saturday um we went one one drop because we were like eh, like it, you know it was already like 5 30 that night let's just get home we'll like do some practice builds at home and, and try and get a good night's sleep um and then of course like stayed up until 12 30 drafting on <laughs> magic online like <laughs> lunatics um but i will say we we learned just a little bit of intel and this was Part of my my big takeaway from the weekend that I tweeted about that I sort of posed to you in your uh, Twitch stream this weekend was I was really impressed by Hold for Ransom. My opponent played two of them against me in a sort of blue-white tempo deck, and I just never wanted to pay seven for it. It just never did anything. And I think a lot of us thought going into this format that, you know, enchantment-based removal was going to be even worse because Black Red is sacrificed and Body Dropper can sacrifice stuff and there's casualty seated into three of the five colors. And oh my gosh, could you imagine just like just giving your opponent free real estate like that? 
And that doesn't really come up that much, to be honest. And then the, the sort of quote unquote drawback of hold for ransom, oftentimes hold for ransom is just like a, an early tempo play. You know, you, you throw it on a three drop or whatever to, to get in some attacks or make sure the race is going in your favor. By the time I get to seven mana, I don't really want to pay seven mana to unlock my three drop and then give you a free card, which you're going to have access to next turn. Like I was just like, oh, I think before today I would have felt like this card is terrible, but I'm seeing it in action now and really feeling like it's actually a lot better than I anticipated. Yeah, I think that card's fine to good. I think you're picking most of the good common creatures over it, but it's certainly a serviceable removal spell in white, I think. Yeah, right. But that's like, I think that's a big step up from, you know, what I would have thought going in is it's pacifism with downside, basically. And that just doesn't feel like it, it is the case. And I think the presence of shield counters makes Holt Ransom feel good. And then my other hot take is that Witness Protection is actually pretty darn good. Mm. Um, and look, I'm telling you, buddy, I, mm. like, I cited that in every single match day <laughs> one of Team Sealed. Every single match I brought it in. And it just it shuts down abilities and and i think that may be a product of team sealed of like look people are opening bombs and they're going to play them and they'll be distributed however or maybe it dictates your builds so maybe it's slightly worse in draft but i i really gotta say i think that card's a lot better than i gave it credit for and a lot better you know it's casmina's transmutation or whatever raven form these effects we've seen time and time again in blue and been very underwhelmed by i do think with shield counters and all the abilities witness protection is a lot better in this format you're gonna have to do some hard selling to turn me into a legitimate business person believer look it's been three days i got, I got plenty of time i can i can sell you on this for sure <laughs> Uh, so on day one, we opened our pool. We got to the convention center. It was the best pool we'd seen by far. We had a lot of really good rares. Um, like I said, we had the two Jet Mirrors Fixer and the uh, Stimulus Package. So it felt like Red Green was the clear deck to build. And then we sort of tried to figure out what to do with the rest. We landed on a blue-black base for me, splashing white for Quaza and a, a sort of necessary evil of Obscura Charm. And then a base white, near mono white deck, I would say splashing blue and green for Matt with like a bunch of bombs. And then the red-green deck went to Charlie. And I think that was one of the reasons that we had success was that we really didn't overlap those colors. Now, I think our pool allowed us to do that. But the fact that I was like, I'm base blue, black, Charlie was base red, green, and Matt was base white just meant those five colors got to sit separately. And we didn't have to worry about a lot of like, okay, who gets this card, who gets this card, etc. Yeah, that's a really nice place to be for sure. Yeah. And when we were building the red green deck, you know, I what we did when we sat down to build was, you know, we all sort of just messed around with a deck in front of us. And then once we felt like we had gotten it to a place of like, maybe I need a few cuts or a few additions, then we would switch seats and see like what other people would come up with in terms of messing around and then switch seats again. So everybody got a chance to see the three decks we were thinking of and mess around with them. And then when I got in front of the red green deck, I was like, eh, we're like, there's a lot of like black splashing here. Maybe we can just make this a hyper aggro deck, maybe some gold hounds, some combat tricks. One of the things I was thinking about was that there's most wanted, which is the flash green enchantment plus two plus one. And then when the things dies, you get two treasures. That I was like, oh, maybe that's pretty good with the gold hounds because people have to double block it and as first strike and menace, and then you get the trick, yada yada. We had a pyro sledge arsonist, so we could, you know, do a bunch of okay, make a bunch of treasures and then sack all of them to combo kill people. But once Charlie got back to red green and we had decided he he was like, ah, I kind of want to play that deck. He got back to that seat and he was like, I think I want to side into this and go back to this like more combo version with some glitter mongers, etc. And he like rushed to rebuild that, register it. Like we were down to the wire. 
but he finally <laughs> did get that. And I'm glad that he did because that deck ended up playing out like a dream. I do think stimulus package was not shy for him all day. Like every time I looked over at his side of the battlefield, he had it in front of him, but it was a really, really strong deck. And I'm glad that he audibled right before. Um, uh, some notable excludes for my deck. I played a blue black base deck with like a couple snooping newsies, um, quite a bit of connive actually. And we left out both wiretapping, which is the five mana um, hideaway rare enchantment that lets you uh, draw an additional card in your upkeep. And then the rare mythic rare, actually black angel that has, you know, in if you would take damage instead, you mill twice that many cards. And we just felt like I had too much velocity in my deck already to play those kinds of cards with like the self mill. I had to dig up the grave or dig up the body rather, which also mills four when you casualty it. And I'm glad we didn't put those cards in because I was down to probably sub 10 cards most of the matches. Yeah, I've already decked myself several times with blue black and lost because of it or nearly decked myself. And then my opponent has finished me off with the stupid one one flyer that can make the opponent draw cards, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I did. Uh, this is exciting stuff happened in round one. I didn't actually technically finish a match until round four because both Matt and Charlie won before me in match one and two, and then lost before me in match three. So it didn't make my result necessary until match four. Uh, in match one, dusting off those paper cobwebs is tough. Ben, I had like was lining up a really good attack. My round one opponent was just with mono flyers in blue white at the end of the match they told me i think they had two creatures total in their deck without flying so just like a really streamlined good blue white flyers deck but i was like okay i think i have the win or like close to the win in terms of i'll make them like trade chump chump on this attack so i cast psychic pickpocket which is the five mana three two connive and then bounce a thing so i did my connive pointed to my quasar trigger moved to attacks and realized Ooh. that i forgot to bounce a thing i also did that exactly at my pre-release so <laughs> feels bad and so i'm like so bummed because i'm like oh i'm gonna lose this game because of this misplay and then like a few turns later i'm like look i'm like oh, just trying to find the win with the, oh, i just drew obscure charm and can i do the thing and charlie just looks over and he goes if you do this this you have lethal and I'm like, yeah, but what if he's like, no, no, if you connive with your grifter, then you you have exactly lethal. So I don't know how he like knew that immediately. <laughs> yeah, like while he's shuffling up for his second game, just looks over and goes, yep, lethal on this very, very complicated board. So I did manage to to get my uh, get my stuff together after that game um, and uh, and not miss those triggers in, in the rest of the day. Uh, our two losses came in round three to a really great team of members of the VML. And then we lost in round five to uh, a team with Jack Kiefer uh, in the middle seat. I got to play against him and I lost both games largely due to getting blown out by majestic metamorphosis both times and i like asked him about it afterwards i was like are you playing that for like any specific combo or are you just playing it because you think it's good he was like it's just good and so that led like that sort of like small little intel led us to main decking that in a blue white deck the next day in day two had a really tough round six came down to my match almost to time so like you know going down to 16 minutes left in the round 14 minutes left in the round but i'm up a game we're in game two i feel like i'm gonna get the win and then out of nowhere, my opponent assembles Jetmere and Rabble Rousing, which is the rare enchantment that has like, whenever you attack with a creature, you make a 1-1 citizen. 
So they attack with like four things and all of a sudden they have nine creatures for jet oh, mirror. Oh no! <laughs> so everything is plus three, plus oh, vigilance, trample, and f- double strike. And I'm like looking at, I was like playing like pretty even keeled because I was so sure I was going to win game two. And then I was like, I don't even know if I have like time to figure out blocks. I was like, I think I should just concede and go to game three. And Matt was like, yeah, I agree. So go to game three with like 10 minutes left on the clock. But luckily, just like stick an early threat, deal gone bad this thing, sleep with the fishes, you're 5-4, they play Jetmere. Guess what came into play, baby? Witness protection on your Jetmere. Get wrecked. Get out of here. (laughs) So I was able to win uh, game three on the play, and we got that W. And then played against like mono shield counters round seven, and in round eight, um, I got to crush my opponent with Evelyn, which is that uh, Maestro's rare flash two five, etc. Which I didn't know triggers off of other vampires. Yeah, and I, well, we I didn't realize that, and I had, but luckily I had put two copies of the one two flying death touch vampires in my deck. And so that eventually came up and I was like, oh, this is so <laughs> sick. I didn't realize that was going to happen. And that really ran like really it let me run away with a couple games in that day. So we got to 6-2 on day one. And then uh, day two, we opened an even better pool and I got to pilot a no rare but very streamlined sicko red black deck. Uh, I did not drop a match day two. I won all four of my matches and that took us to nine and three, which was good for eighth place. Yeah, that is seriously awesome. Very proud of you all rooting from the sidelines and hype that you all cashed. Yeah, very, very exciting. So that was that was my excitement for the weekend. And I'll be doing a full tournament report for day one as a, an article for Channel Fireball this week. I already actually if you if you are such a sicko and you want to play along, I posted the full pool that we had on day one to Twitter to be like, hey, if you want a team sealed puzzle, check this out. See if you can find three decks that can get you to day two. And then I posted what our decks were below for folks who want the answers. And then I think I'll probably do the same thing for our day two pool as well. Great reason to get on CFB Pro, folks. Use code LOL. That's right. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break here and then we'll be back for Ben's takes on how to draft Streets of New Capenna. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, and overeating. I've been not shy about sharing this on stream, but I don't actually think I've talked about it on the podcast yet. Uh, I was recently diagnosed with type 1 diabetes a few months ago, which is kind of a freak accident for someone in my age group, but can happen. And let me tell you, it's very stressful uh, trying to deal with, you know, figuring out, monitoring your own blood sugar, and definitely having some health complications along with that. And I can definitely sympathize with and have been dealing with a lot of these issues of sleeping too little and and worrying about what I'm eating and worrying about my health in general, and it all adds up. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that, buddy. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways, and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time, this is a reminder from us to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. We at Lords of Limited believe that therapy is a part of a healthy, normal lifestyle, and BetterHelp provides that service in an accessible way. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Lords of Limited listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Lords. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Lords. And now back to the show. 
All right, buddy. Hit me with it. What's going on in the draft streets this weekend? A lot is going on in the draft streets this weekend. <laughs> this is by far the most I have drafted coming into one of these because actually usually there's banned stuff on Friday and we record on Sunday. And so usually I have like seven or eight drafts, but I've probably got 15 to 20 drafts under my belt at this point. So I feel like I have a pretty good handle on the format. Um, so here's how I would frame how to draft Streets of Nuka Pena for whether you know, you're coming in for your first draft or maybe you've done four or five or whatever. I think if you think about it as possible decks, there are to draft on a spectrum. So on one end, you've got streamlined, two-color aggressive decks. You've got decks that are two allied color pairs with maybe a light splash for some powerful family cards. And along with that, if you're splashing some family cards in your two-color decks, you need to make sure you have good fixing. You have to have good mana in this format. And then I think the next layer would be just to be a full-on three-color family deck you know, still ideally with two base colors and a lot of good fixing if you're actually playing a three color deck, like you want to be eight, eight, eight minimum on your three sources, no like seven, six, five or six, six, six or whatever. You need to be picking fixing aggressively if you're playing a three color deck. And then I think all the way on the other end of the spectrum, there's three to five color good stuff, you know, still with two base colors, but you need a lot of fixing on that. So if you think about those as a spectrum, from focused two-color decks to the more multicolored goodness, I think the closer to two colors you are, the more you need to be really proactive, really synergistic, and thinking about closing the game out early. And I think those two-color decks also are the more popper-style decks in the format, the ones that rely more on the commons and the uncommons and way less on the rares. And then I think the more colors you're running, the more you want the game to go longer, have more individual card quality, like some bomb rares, or you know, powerful three-color family cards, that sort of thing. And I think on that same spectrum of two-color aggro to more colors, you're more likely to be straight two colors or straight two colors with a light splash than you are to actually be a three color family or, you know, three to five color control with some bomb rares, assuming that you're drafting correctly. So most of the time in the format, I think you're looking to be two colors or two colors with a very light splash. That's definitely been my experience so far as well. That's definitely the kinds of decks we were trying to build um, in the team sealed event was like, you know, can we be streamlined? Can we not have overlap, et cetera? Here's a question I have for you in terms of the fixing. If we think about the the tap dual lands that can draw, we think about the uh, fetch lands, the family fetches, and then the family fixers, the creatures that can make a land tap for that mana, and then you can cast them from exile. Where are those lining up for you in terms of your pick order? So if we, we sort of tier out, let's say, the top common of each color, certainly you're taking those over those kinds of things. But are you speculating on lands early when there's not anything in that realm of top commons or better? Or are you trying to find your way into a color pair first and then take lands that line up with those colors? I think the cutoff for me is like the top two commons for most colors, for most colors, and then the gold, the good gold commons, like those big four commons, those tend to be the cutoff for me where I'm picking lands just slightly below those early on. And then once you know what you're doing, depending on what you're doing, the lands become way more important or way less important. I mean, if you're straight two colors, you don't need the lands very much. But if you're heading towards three to five colors, sometimes you have to pick the lands super aggressively, you know, mid to late in the draft. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I think early early on, they are slightly less valuable. And then as you know, you're going into multicolored control, they get much more valuable. But I would say just, you know, to throw numbers out there, you're going to be two colors or two colors in a light splash almost 75% of the time in my experience. And I think that's where you should be hoping to end up. And I think because you want to end up straight two colors, 
you really get rewarded for reading the draft and finding an open color pair for your seat. So I feel pretty strongly that this is a drafting the hard way format and that you're really rewarded for leaving yourself flexible early in the draft until you identify what you want to do and lock in on, you know, a strategy that maximizes what you expect is going to be open, whether that's, you know, a two color pair or a family or three to five color control. But the cool part about this draft format is leaving yourself options and then trying to, you know, find that place to lock in. And then once you lock in, you really have to pull the trigger and commit. Yeah, okay. That, that, that I can get on board with that. And I think the number one thing that I've seen, you know, when people have submitted deck techs on stream or whatever is non-functional mana bases or from opponents. You have to have a functional mana base. And I'm sure we're going to do a whole episode on mana bases and how that affects how you draft this format, because I think that's one of the most interesting things. But if you aren't actively considering your mana base with every pick you make, I think you're doing it wrong. Like similarly to Eldraine, how much you had to consider what your mana base was in throne of eldraine you should be caring about your mana base that much here yeah that's been my feeling as well it doesn't feel quite like a guild set it feels more flexible than that because a guild set has a lot more multicolored commons and so you sort of get locked in a lot earlier i think in terms of like well i'm gonna start i just take this black green card and then this black green card and then this black card and then i'm just like down that path whereas this feels like okay can i if i can get deep into one color then i can straddle two of the the family like the allied color pairs and then that'll let me branch out into figuring out what my third color splash might be um it feels like the drafting is a little bit more open um but i do think yeah you are just thinking about mana 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 the whole draft well and that's one of those style of drafts so certainly like you know much similar to the guild sets there are going to be drafts where you go broker's card broker's card broker's card okay like i've got three great broker's cards i'm going to draft brokers and i just need to make sure i pick the brokers fixing cards very highly you know so that boils down to you know those types of drafts and i think there are those four types two colors two colors light splash three colors and then three plus colors identifying which one of those you're in correctly early on in the draft is really going to pay you off handsomely, I think. Yeah, I think so. And that's going to be a skill that you really need to develop in the format. So I think in light of all this that we're talking about, wanting to have a good mana base, wanting to find an open lane, I've really been valuing the single color, single pip cards early in the draft, followed by the really good two color allied cards. And again, similar to Throne of Eldraine, you know, we, that was where we came up with hashtag delay the decision and golden egg and all that goodness. I think this is a very similar format to that. And I think the biggest skill you're going to have is properly staying flexible until it's time for you to lock in and correctly identify what you're supposed to lock in on, whether that's a two color or a family or a whole, you know, pile of rares, you know. And that's not to say that, you know, you're not going to see some busto three color card like a broker's ascendancy or whatever discipline duelist and not take that early and, and try and draft a deck where you can cast that. But I think you have those I, those cards in your head and then are, I mean, e even in drafting those cards, you're already considering your mana. If I start a draft with Broker's Ascendancy, then I'm already thinking, okay, which of these two colors is my base? Green, white, or white, blue? So I'm going to give a lot of preference to white cards. You know, if I see something that signals me to be red, black, or blue, black, then I'm going to move into that and realize that, okay, that probably means that the Broker's Ascendancy doesn't make my deck. Like, you just... You have to be thinking about your mana from the get-go. Yes, completely agree. So with that draft strategy, you know, what are the best decks and the best colors? Early on, the straight two-color decks have impressed me the most because I think they have, one, the best mana, and two, the best curves. But they're also the most obvious decks to put together, I think. So it might just take time to figure out how to optimize the three-plus color decks. And also, as people start to contest the good, you know, cheaper two-colored allied cards... 
those decks might get less good and then you know leaves room for the format to breathe and the three color decks to really shine so i certainly don't think it's written in stone that it's always going to be two colors for the entire format but certainly right now i want to be as close to a two color deck as i possibly can unless i'm getting really powerful rares that are three colors amen i mean i was i was feeling this in the early access event i was like all of my decks felt like mostly two colors touching maybe maybe one or two of the then you know next colors you know if i was blue white then maybe touching black and maybe some green or whatever but uh really really streamlined two colors at my base and then i was watching you play the early access event you were sort of bebopping and scatting all over the place (laughs) you were drafting three four color piles and i was like this has been a very different experience for me but it sounds like that i mean not to say that like i know you were drafting incorrectly or whatever you were having success but it sounds like you have also felt like the, the the narrower your deck or the more focused your deck the better yes that is certainly where i'm at right now and of those two color decks it does feel pretty balanced to me as far as ranking them and i think Ultimately, whatever is open is going to be best. I feel pretty confident in that assessment for the format. But if I were ranking them, I would say the the three that really stand out are blue, white, green, white, and red, black. And I would put them slightly in that order, but generally equal to each other. And I think there's a little bit of a gap for blue, black. And then I think there's pretty a big gap between blue, black, and red, green. I've got red, green last pretty considerably. That is one that I am trying to actually avoid at the moment. Yeah, well, so we, you know, we, we almost got into this argument uh, before <laughs> <laughs> before uh, the start of the podcast, and you're like, we're blowing it. Let's do it on air. So I don't feel that way. I have played red, green myself, watching Charlie pilot the red, green deck that we had in the Team Sealed event on day one. I think red, green is good. I think it's a little tough to know. And I sort of fell into this trap as well in the deck that we built for the trial, tried to do a much more grindy like red green using the treasures to splash, you know, some black cards and some white cards or whatever. Whereas what we sort of did really for red green in the the team sealed day one event was just try and build it like a treasure engine, like more a mid-range deck. And so, you know, Jetmere's Fixer is a really tough card, even just with, even without treasure. It's tough, you know, Jetmere's Fixer on turn two, and then untap turn three attack, it's pretty unblockable. And then you've got good threes to curve it into with Jewel Thief and Exhibition Magician to make, you know, treasures that can fuel the treasure stuff. Obviously, Stimulus Package is quite good just on its own, but with any Alliance stuff you may pick up, like a Witty Roast Master or whatever, if you're more aggressive. Talked about Pyre Sledge Arsonist being real combo-y here. I have to say Glittermonger has really impressed me because I think one of the things you need, I drafted a deck uh, like this last week that I was what sort of started me feeling like, ooh, Jetmere's Fixer is good, but I didn't have the repeatable treasure makers. Like my treasure makers were like two big scores basically in addition to a stimulus package. And I'm pretty down on big score. I do think that that repeatable ways to make treasure is good and Glittermonger in your four drop slot is nice. LSV tweeted about a deck like this and that sort of, we were sort of, uh, <laughs> we were making fun of him liking Capenna Express, me, Matt, and Charlie. Then we did our like practice stuff Friday night and then built it, put Capenna Express in a deck with a bunch of treasure. And we were like, oh, this might just be a four mana six, six in a format where keyword large really matters. And then played that in the deck and it was great. Charlie was like, yep, this was mostly just a four mana six, six for me. So I know that the data is down on red green. It sounds like you're down on red green, but I'm, I'm saying I don't think it's bad. I don't even think it's close to bad. I am quite down on red green, independent of the data, I will say. But I was I'm sad that you already pointed out that red green was down in the data because I was going to say, Ethan, what if I told you 
that red green was a 52.8 win percentage huh but you know you know my feeling about that is like when the data says something is good believe it when the data says something is bad i'm not that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad sure i i completely agree so and in line of those color pair rankings in honor of the data people out there 17 lands largely agrees with the order that i've got them in for whatever that's worth um, it says blue white at the top with a 61.6 win percentage, followed by green white closely on its heels, 60.8 win percentage, and then pretty significant gap for blue black at a 57.4 win percentage, followed by red black at a 57.1 win percentage, and then red green, huge hit, five percentage points lower almost, I guess only four, 52.8 win percentage. But I will say red is coming up garbage in the 17 lands rankings. And I think this is another neon dynasty situation where people just don't understand what to do with red because I've been super impressed by red aggressive decks. Oh, I completely agree. Give me all the mayhem patrols, the plasma jockeys, the exhibition magicians, the pugnacious pugilists, whatever. Just give them all to me and I'll take them. Yeah. So getting into individual colors, it's really hard to say what's best because they do different things well. Although since writing this, I have pretty hard come around to white being the best by a fair margin. So I think white's in number one. And here's my ranking. I would go white one, blue two, red three, followed by black and fourth and green and fifth. But again, I think anything's draftable. For me, a lot of that comes down to green falling off really hard after Jewel Thief as its top common. Yeah. And red, again, performing terribly in the data. But I think this is just going to be another situation where it's going to take some time for people to figure out that red is super aggressive and really wants to be paired with itself or black. Again, very similar to Neon Dynasty. And when you do build red right, and you build it as a focused aggro deck, it's really powerful. So I just assume that people are doing it wrong in the data because I've seen, I've played the decks and I've played against the decks and it's really impressive when it comes together and is a focused aggro deck. Totally agree. I, I want to say one thing. I'm, I'm curious about blue being second for you here because blue to me has felt similarly, if not even more so, weak like green because while or i should say maybe it feels a little like green in um neon dynasty in that like the commons it's not like i don't like blue decks in the format i do but the commons all feel so contextual like even expendable lackey which i think like most blue decks want like we i think it's it's largely contingent on do you have casualty for the one one or do you have ways to pitch it to connive like i'll say i had about i think seven connivers in my blue black deck day one plus two snooping newsies when i had expendable lackey in my opener i never played it on turn one i was always hoping to pitch it to connive or mill it or whatever because the fish is really good but the one one body is not that good and and you know then there's the four drop problem like i like echo inspector i like uh run out of town or whatever but you know you can't load up on them especially because sleep with the fishes is so good at uncommon i don't know blue hasn't felt so busto to me am i missing something i don't know that it feels busto honestly i think the next best set of commons is red but red Mm -hmm. is so narrow that i'm hesitant to put it second i think to me that's largely how just how i want to start a draft like i'd really like to be blue white so i'm going to try to pick cards of those colors i think and then i do think blue pairs very well with white and it also pairs very well with black Mm -hmm. and i think the other way around maybe maybe black should be a little higher but i haven't liked that's weird that i like blue pairing with black and not black pairing with blue (laughs) because they're both (laughs) blue black but i would much prefer to start blue because then i still have a chance to go blue white Whereas if you start black, you don't have a chance to go black, white. You know what I mean? So it's more 
which cards you start out with and what lanes they open up for you, if that makes sense. So I think that that's where my nod to blue being second goes. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think I might, I would slight, I think I would bump blue down. Not that I think, I think color, I mean, I'm not, I'm generally anti-rankings period, but I think the most important thing here to note is that like white is, I think, head and shoulders above the rest just in terms of not only the data, like the White's commons run the streets, right? You've got Overseer, obviously, like head and shoulders above the rest, but then, you know, Gathering Strong, performing super well, Rafine's informant, backup agent, etc. You've got me being a big stand for Hold for Ransom as a removal <laughs> spell. Um, and then I think the rest, but I probably would go like White and then maybe Black or Red, you know, as two or two and three somehow, and then Blue and then Green. Yeah, but the, the problem with starting Red or Black is that they don't, pair as well with things that you want to be doing so yeah, I, I mean i don't I, agree i don't agree with that like you're talking about you're like red wants to be aggressive but i don't like pairing with green are you just drafting the deck incorrectly like red green can be aggressive it can i agree but it's heavy red then right you get you get pushed in this thing where you take red cards early and then if people are fighting with you for red like you're stuck trying to do that thing it's so hard to pivot into some other thing when you start red i guess would be my qualm with red what do you mean pivot into so so yeah i, I guess i don't i don't quite understand what you mean so like let's say let's say you start your draft with a mayhem patrol into a plasma jockey into a strangle or something so you're like great i'm red i'm one color i'm pretty open i can do a lot of things for me personally i don't really want to go red green like basically once I start red, I want to be red black. And that's about the only thing I'm happy with. So like taking red cards is essentially like locking myself in early. Whereas if I start with white cards, I feel like the world is my oyster. Or if I start with blue cards, the world is my oyster. But those blue cards you're starting with are so much worse than those red cards you just named. If we're talking about commons. I disagree with that. I think Expendable Lackey is outstanding. And I've been very happy with it as a 1-1 on turn one as well. I just think the 1-1 body is pretty relevant and the fish is really strong also. I don't know. And maybe maybe time will tell and, you know, we'll come closer to a consensus. But mm -hmm. I've been I've been pretty unhappy starting red unless I'm definitely going to be red aggro. I just think it's like Neo and that you have to commit. I, I disagree. And I'm happy to take the red cards if you want to send them my way in our showdown videos. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So yeah, I think there's a little bit of tension there in red. And I think if your red deck doesn't end up aggressive, like you're in trouble. But the red aggro decks very, very, very good. And so red really wants to go with black be blitz push some damage, that sort of thing. And I think another thing about the colors that's a little weird is most of the colors fall off really hard after their top one or two commons in their colors. And I do think white is far and away the deepest of all yes. of the colors, which is another huge boon for it. I agree. I, I, I do want to say that I think it, for me personally, and again, this might be clouded by team sealed and that like, you know, bomb, bombs are opened or whatever, powerful cards are open. So you're going to see them. I have felt that this format feels pretty darn I don't know, bomby may not be the right word, but it is dictated so much by like, I feel like my games are often dictated by a card or two, like not quite to the extent of Vow, but I don't feel like that discourse is happening. And maybe it's because there's not as many feel bad rares as in Vow, but it feels a lot closer to Vow than it does to maybe something like Midnight Hunt to me. Yeah, I think it's certainly leaning on the rare end of the spectrum. And that's one of the reasons why I think if you're two colors, you really want to be proactive because yes. like getting ahead and having a good curve is a way to maybe combat some of those powerful cards or still eke out a win, you know, with some fish tokens, even after your opponent has, you know, taken control of the board, that type of thing. So that's another nod towards like the two color pairs letting you play a little bit more of a popper style 
with commons and uncommons and still have success. And while we're touching on red black, do you have a heuristic yet for yourself in terms of blitzing? Like when you blitz a creature and when you cast it? I think you're almost always blitzing Girder Goons. That's the, yes, the four black, yes. four, four that has blitz for three and a black. And after you blitz it, you get a two, two leftover. Mm-hmm. That one, I think you're always blitzing. For me, I generally want to have a board presence before I start blitzing. So I usually want two creatures at least and or I want my opponent to be on the back foot. I think people I think hot take. I think people are blitzing too much. <laughs> so here's my here's my thought. And let me let me know what you think about this. I think that the cheaper the card, the more you should be casting it unless, you know, it's late in the game, something like a mayhem patrol. If you draw that on turn 10, sure, feel free to blitz it out and just get your cantrip. And the more expensive the card, obviously, Girder Goons, I think you're basically blitzing, you know, 90% of the time, unless you're very much on the back foot. Pugnacious Pugilist, similarly, I think you're blitzing that 90, 95% of the time, unless you're on the back foot and you just need the body on the board. So that's been my experience. It's like, the more expensive the card, the more often I'm blitzing it, the cheaper the card, the more often I'm casting it. Plasma Jockey, sort of in the middle, like if I feel like I can leverage it for multiple turns, I'll cast it. If I feel like I just want to push the damage or get the cantrip, I'll blitz it. Yeah, I think that's fairly similar to where I'm at. I generally want to play like two drop, three drop blitzing or two drop, two drop, then start blitzing. I want to get a board presence and then put my opponent behind and punish them for trying to leave things back to block with plasma jockeys or whatever. Usually all it takes is one good blitz turn Mm -hmm. for you to win the game. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I've been very impressed by that mechanic. And I still say like blitz as a mechanic is very cool. Connive as a mechanic is very cool. Connive in conjunction with the like get to five mana values in your yard. It just like gives you a lot of small decision points that I think give you some some big edges over the course of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So getting back to these individual colors and kind of what they do well, I think blue can do either play aggressive or control. And I think it pairs really well with both white and black. Black to me, it's sort of weird because I like black's commons a lot, but it has felt like more of a support color than a main color to me. But for some reason, just the girder goons, I think you really have to be aggressive before you're super happy with girder goons like blitzing girder goons on turn four when you're behind doesn't feel great it's fine it's a good card but it's not a great card you know what i mean i agree but that's a pretty it's a pretty high floor still i think it's unlikely i think on turn four for you to be so deathly behind that blitzing that like you still blitz it if you have nothing else to do, I think, because you know you're going to get that 2-2. Um, and obviously, if you have something else to do that doesn't you know, leave you with a tapped 2-2, then you do that instead. But I, I agree. You know, you're obviously, it's, it's ceiling is, uh, is achieved when you have a board presence that backs up that blitzed 4-4. Yeah, I guess something for me, more what I'm trying to articulate is going forward, I, I like Black's cards a lot. But I have not liked the way black pairs with other things when I'm heavy black. Hmm. Okay. Um, And then a green, I think, pairs really well with white. But and this is where we disagree. I don't think it pairs very well with red. And I think it also falls off very hard after Jewel Thief at Common. Yes, no, I totally agree with that. And I think I agree with you in that red green operates best as base red and leveraging, you know, then you're leveraging Jewel Thief and you're leveraging multicolored cards like Jetmere's Fixer, etc. Um, but I agree, if I start out base green, I'm certainly more interested in going green white and maybe trying to splash or whatever. But yeah, I, I just think uh, I think I'm happier with red green, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. So looking at these allied color pairs then more than just as colors, because I think it's important. There's so many layers in the draft format. I think it's important to start looking at what individual colors want to do, because there are a lot of times you're going to start with individual colored cards. And then you've got a decision about like which two color pair do you want to go into? Like if you start blue, do you want to go into blue white or do you want to go into blue black? And what do each of those things offer to you? And then what do the allied color pairs offer to you? And then 
which allied color pairs are good at splashing you know parts of which families you know so looking at these allied color pairs red black i think hyper aggressive wants to be heavy red lots of blitz and then as far as standout cards there's body dropper that's the red black two two gold common that uh, whenever you sacrifice a creature it gets a plus one plus one counter and it has the ability to pay to sacrifice a creature give itself menace until end of turn mayhem patrol that's the red one two two drop and again mayhem patrol is outstanding on offense it is miserable on defense so i have a feeling people are just like sticking mayhem patrols in decks that aren't hyper aggro which is partially why red's performing so poorly in the data that's my hypothesis anyway and then cards like plasma jockey girder goons like that's red black you just want to play blitz creatures get ahead on board start blitzing things and crush your opponent's soul it's one of the best beatdown decks in the format totally agree but still a beatdown deck with a ton of decisions i mean like the deck i had day two was so good i love the red black sack decks in this format next we're on to blue white this is my favorite deck in the format it's kind of a Mm. tempo aggro style of deck it really fits my play style nicely basically you're trying to set up a spot where you can win still even when the opponent gets ahead and maybe gets bigger creatures than you via whether that's flyers or unblockable fish tokens but you're trying to put yourself in a spot where you're definitely going to be able to close the game out no matter what the opponent does and there's a lot of different flavors of blue white i think depending on what uncommons you get you know there's there's fish things going on in blue white there's flyers going on there's connive payoffs with plus one plus one counters there's fairy vandal shenanigans you know with plus one plus one counters and drawing cards with connive there's illuminator virtuoso combo decks and that card has been out standing it's so cool that there's like a boggles deck in limited with the shield counters boggles is a for for uh, the non-boomers out there uh, boggles is a modern deck with with uh having hexproof creatures and then just suiting them up with auras and so you sort of get that here with shield counters and you can just win out of nowhere with virtuoso yeah very cool card and i think the best white uncommon for sure and then standout cards for blue white expendable lackey is atrociously low in the data and i don't know what people are doing with that card to not win with it i think it is outstanding that obviously inspiring overseer any of the blue and white two drops at common really good celestial regulator that's the one blue white two three flyer that can tap something and it freezes it down for a turn if you have a creature with a plus one plus one counter here's my take on lackey and it sounds like ben may disagree with me my guess is that people are casting it on turn one too much if my opponent plays a two mana three one or two mana two one first great I'll, then I'll dump it on the battlefield. Fine. But I want to know that it's going to be relevant on the battlefield before I cast it and feel like I can slot it in along the curve if I need to. But I think what you want to be doing is using it as fuel for connive to get your counter and then get a free fish. Certainly, that's the ideal. But it's also just great to block a 5-5 five five and then get a fish right. while you're racing your opponent in the air. But you, but so then you do that on whatever, turn 7. Like, what I'm saying is I do not think Island Lackey is what you want to do on turn 1 on the play. I think that is why the... I think that is the situation that people are probably doing a lot. Oh, there's a one drop in my hand. I should cast it. What I'm saying is I don't think that's what you should be doing. Yeah, I mean, I've done that a fair amount, but... <laughs> I, I feel I feel pretty strongly that that is not great. I've, been, I've still been very happy with Expendable Lackey when I've done that. Card is okay. just very good. White Green up next can get out to really fast starts or can also clog up the board and grind with Gathering Throngs. Standout cards here, Civil Servant. That's the green, white, two, three common Civil servant into any other citizen is just such a good start to a game of magic. It's an absolute beating. Yeah. Obviously, the green and white top commons are great. You know, your inspiring overseers, your jewel thieves. I have really found green white to want a copy of Gilded Pinions. That's the Hmm. two man artifact that equips for two when ETBs you make a treasure and it gives the equipped creature flying. Card is invaluable to green white. Uh, You know what other deck wants Gilded Pinions a lot? 
what is that red black red, red green oh yeah red, red yeah green decks want guild opinions i agree yeah. yes yes mm -hmm. yep i like it in red green also gathering throng is great in green white it's less good in blue white still good in blue white but less good in blue white gathering throng is op in green mm -hmm. white and then ceremonial groundbreaker has been a huge overperformer from what i would have thought that card is insanely good well there's just a, a lot more citizens than i thought you can equip it for one quite a bit but yeah the plus two plus one and trample i mean that on going gathering throng on three into groundbreaker equip attack with a five two trample that already drew you some number of other three ones so broken yeah ceremonial groundbreaker it, it just makes things big in a format where big matters and then trample is just icing on the cake we we haven't said that enough this episode big still matters your four mana five fours your five mana four fours that grow your caldea strong arms the five mana two three that puts counters on stuff keyword big is so important in this format yes i agree moving on to blue black it really wants to do the five mana value graveyard shenanigans but it's awkward in that it's a little more on the controlling end of the spectrum so you can get yourself in some trouble if your opponent is just playing better cards than you when you're playing a blue-black deck that's not aggressive, but it really wants to do what it advertises. You want your Snooping Newsies, you want your Syndicate Infiltrators, you want to use blue and black's top commons, but I think it uses those top commons slightly less well, for example, than blue-white does. I think blue-white makes better use of Expendable Lackey and the 2-3 flyer that connives, and I think red-black makes a lot better use of Girdergoon. So in that case, like I do think blue-black's a little awkward in that sense, in that it's less good at using blue and black's top commons than the non-straight blue-black decks are. I think it like could possibly be a good tempo aggro deck, but I do think that it supports having really busted cards the best. So if you've got a good bomb or two or a like, strong uncommon or two that you can use your connive to dig for, or use your snooping newsies with lifelink or use your, you know, your self mill and then your dig up the bodies to buy back. It's a good grindy deck, but you have to have reasons to grind before that deck is going to be good. Right. And one of the things we haven't really talked about yet is which families these like to go into and i do think i'm curious to get your take on this but i think blue black much more wants to be maestros than it does obscura totally agree well like, i mean th i think that takes the best advantage of its good family uncommons like corpse appraiser and cormella right and something like blue white is happy being either obscura or brokers which is yes. partly why blue white's so great and like yes. red black really wants to be red black like red it, black. it doesn't yeah, want it doesn't yeah. want to be maestros or riveteers you know right well I, th I think that's partially because blue it's weird like i don't feel like blue is th that good but i also don't feel like it's a support color right i don't want to be red black and then i'm like what am i splashing in blue like the other day i did draft a very bad deck that was red green splashing some sleep with the fishes off of treasures and other Ooh. stuff um that was you know classic teamer in uh, streets of new capenna but blue is just like i think it needs to be a base color and green similarly i think generally wants to be a base color unless i think you're in red green yeah and i think moving on to red green then i think this is the worst of the allied color pairs we know ben we <laughs> know okay it's Jeez. in the show notes i'm just moving along i've been very clear that i don't like this color oh my pair. goodness but there's, there's just a lot of tension between red being hyper-aggressive and green not necessarily supporting that well. But I do think red-green is still best as an aggressive beatdown deck without too much of the treasure shenanigans. And it sounds like you're on the opposite side of that. I mean, that might be why you don't like 
red green is because you're not doing the treasure stuff. Like yeah, I'm not saying maybe. that. Yeah, I, I just think. I mean, I've been very impressed by Jetmere's fixer, especially. It just gets so large if you have treasures. I do think you need repeatable treasure makers. I do think Littermonger has a home there. One four. I thought a four mana one four would be not good at, at, at its rate, but we know that keyword largest matters here. Four toughness is good in this format, so Glittermonger isn't that embarrassing. Um, and I think something like Stimulus Package is just a huge engine. I mean, I hear all that. I I think. I have felt in best of one, there's not time for that sort of shenanigans against a lot of the decks that I'm facing, but I certainly could see it working out. And then as far as what red green wants to do, I think it also is weird in that it doesn't really want to be cabaretty. Like you'd much rather be base green white if you're going to be cabaretty. So then red green really only wants to go into riveteers, if that makes sense. Again, I'm going to push back on this and I, I apologize to our listeners. I don't want it to feel like, you know, we. I often like to come to the podcast as a united front, <laughs> but we've just had such different experiences and it's only a few days. I think like getting our, our like, you know, actual experiential takes is going to be better than us. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know, one of us folding to the other before recording, but I'll say, I think red green as a base for Cabaretti is good because sometimes you, not in terms of, you know, playing a lot of white cards, but splashing a Cabaretti charm or a jet mirror or whatever, some sort of, you know, strong green white card at the top of your curve, that sort of thing. Red green gets to do that so easily because of its treasure makers. Yes, but <laughs> not, I, I hear you on that. But like every draft that I've started red green, I have just felt absolutely miserable feeling like one, I can't really play civil servants because I think civil servant is way better than jet mirrors fixer. And I also feel pretty miserable not really getting to feel good about picking inspiring overseers and all the other good white commons. I think white's commons are just so much better that it feels bad being base red green. I think that's more the experience I've had than that. I don't necessarily think it can splash. Well, I'm not saying that you should take Jetmere's fixer over overseer or whatever, like, or even like uh, Rafine's informant, like that. I don't understand this draft you're describing where you're like, I'm red green and I can't take inspiring overseer. Well, why aren't you taking overseers? If white, if white is open, take the overseers. But then you just want to be base white. You don't want to be base red green. Fine. So then draft white. <laughs> I don't understand. Like that, draft white on that draft. And then in another draft where red green is open, draft red green. Mr. Draft the hard way. <laughs> Two podcasters yell at each other. <laughs> this is excellent content. I mean, honestly, people are going to love it. I'm sure they will. But yeah, I, it sounds like we're just going to have to play for another week. And then maybe we will be able to present. <laughs> Mommy and daddy will talk. And <laughs> we'll we love each other very much. <laughs> Please. We'll present a united front next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to these overperforming cards that we haven't discussed yet. Girder Goons, we've talked about it this episode. I think we were pretty remiss in not mentioning that card last episode. I just hadn't had any experience with it yet. Yeah, it's it's busted. It is. I mean, the data says it's the best black common, and I think I agree with that. Yeah, it's very good. Backup agent is the one on a white one one that when ATBs puts a plus one plus one counter on something. This is far and away the best this card has ever been for several reasons. The one one body is relevant. White has great targets to put the plus one plus one counter on, and there's plus one plus one counter synergy in that color. Just does everything you want a two drop to do. And I think similarly, but in a different vein, Rafine's Informant is also awesome. That's the one on a white two one when it enters the battlefield, you connive. But I do sort of think that they go sort of in different decks a little bit. Like I think Rafine's Informant is oftentimes better in blue-white, where you're a little bit more interested in conniving or more in an obscure blue-white deck, whereas Backup Agent might be a little bit better in your two-drop slot in a white-green deck that's going more towards Cabaretti or going more towards Brokers. I don't, I don't know. I, I think they're both great, but I think are, are perhaps a little bit more situational. 
Yeah. And speaking of Broker's Veteran, uh, one in a blue for the 2-1 when it dies, you put a shield counter on something. I would have thought that would be pretty filler, but I've been very happy with it in blue-white, especially if you've got a lot of flyers. It just makes it awkward to where if your opponent's dying to your flyers, they don't really want to attack into your Broker's Veteran and then let you put a shield counter on one of your flyers or the fish token that's killing them or whatever. Card has impressed me quite a bit. Shield counters are really good in the format, I think. And I, I feel this way. I've not played Broker's Veteran a lot myself, but every time I've seen it on the battlefield for my opponents, I go, okay, I got to kill that before they play another creature. Right. It's really awkward if they have a card down that's good and a Broker's Veteran. It's either borderline unblockable or mm-hmm. you can't really attack into it. It just does. It's like moat almost. <laughs> Uh, I love the moat at common. Next up is Crooked Custodian. That's the one in a black 3-2 that ETB's tapped. Card is just great stats. I mean, just raw stats for the rate. It's very good in the red-black beatdown decks, assuming you want a critical mass of two drops and maybe don't get some of the more premium ones. Yeah, I, I this is, I think, one of the cards I, I sort of disagree a little bit. I don't dislike the card, but it doesn't feel like anything special to me so far. I agree. It's not great, but I, I have taken yeah. note of it as much more playable than I would have thought previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more more that type of thing. Up next, we've got a card I have dubbed the truth, which is Quick Draw Dagger. Desi was onto this slightly before me, but I, I mean, Desi is saying Desi every set says this piece of equipment is good. So, you know, broken clock, etc. I mean, it is very good. He's right. It has since been upgraded from the truth to Embercleave. Uh, oh if my you're wondering. God. <laughs> so this is the three man equipment with flash and it gives equipped creature plus one plus one auto equips when you cast it um, and gives the equipped creature first strike the turn that it came into play. And then after that equips for one mana as a short sword. This card is awesome because it allows you to win combats in a format where it's very difficult to block and have your creature stay alive because everything's toughness is so low so if you can set up a combat where you block play this on blocks eat their creature and it's also not a disaster if your opponent has a trick or a removal spell in response or whatever because you still get the short sword which is also a relevant card in this format so you're much more willing to like try to play a quick draw dagger into open mana from your opponent when they attack. And it's also just great on offense as well. Obviously, if you're ahead, your opponent just can't do anything about it. And then you have a plus one plus one equipment that equips for one left over, which is super powerful. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm not on board with the quick draw dagger <laughs> yet, but I, I trust you. I trust you. I, I need more data with it. Yeah, card's been good. I mean, it's not insane. It's not the second best common in the set or whatever Desi said, but it is very good, especially in decks that are focused and want this type of effect. Yeah, so that's my feeling is like you keep talking about why like red is awkward because it wants to be aggressive or like black is a little awkward because I don't be base black. Like quick draw dagger feels like it's pretty narrow. Do you want to play this in non-aggressive decks? Not really. No. No, no, no. You no. want to be aggressive, but most of the two-color decks are aggressive. Like, it's great in blue-white because when it's left around, you put it on a fish, and it's a 2-2 yes. fish then. Or in red-black, you put it on your things when you're killing the opponent already, and it makes it even harder for them to block, you know? Yeah, I'm down, I'm down with that. Next up, Spar's Adjudicators. This is the Bant Family Fixer. Yeah. This card is a house. It's far and away better than all of the others, and I don't think we talked about it enough or gave it mm-hmm. enough love last time. And again, I just hadn't played with it. Yeah, likewise. Matt had two copies of this in his like Oops All Rares uh, brokers deck that we had on day one, and it was great. And so Spar's Adjudicators is the the brokers 4-4 and, you know, fixes your family 
mana for brokers, and then when it ETBs, uh, target creature and opponent controls can't attack or block until your next untap step. Last on this list is Sleep with the Fishes, as uh, my teammate Charlie has been calling it all week. It's Dungeon Geists. This is two blue blue for the <laughs> enchantment aura. It taps the thing when it ETBs, keeps it tapped, and you make a 1-1 fish. I think, again, we, we thought that this kind of effect wasn't going to be good because of casualty, because of red-black having a sacrifice theme. This is just phenomenal. Yeah, ravenous piranhas. <laughs> ravenous piranhas, great. I love it. Yeah, card is outstanding. All right, moving on to a re-rank of the top commons before we go here. Uh, white in the number one slot. We've still got Inspiring Overseer. That's the two and white, two one flyer that when ETBs gains your life and draws you a card. 17 lands agrees that that is the top white common. Number two, we've got Gathering Throng, two and a white, three one. When ETBs, you can search up any number of copies of Gathering Throng from your library and put them into your hand. 17 lands has this in number three and has Rafine's Informant at number two. I think we just have those swapped right now, but honestly, I could see it being like 17 lands is often right with these things and I could see switching. Yeah. And then past that, I've tried to put a line in where I'm starting to pick the gold commons, like the, mm-hmm. those big four allied gold commons. I mean, we can we can add Celestial Regulator, right? It's it's just the big five, isn't it? Sure. It probably is just the big five. I do think the two drops are better than Regulator. Not Jetmere's Fixer. Mm, I do. Eh, well, yeah, that, but that's because Jetmere's Fixer is in a bad color pair. It's not really a function of Jetmere's Fixer being a bad card. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I cannot wait for you to be just come around on being wrong about red green. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, so I've tried to put a line where I'm picking the gold commons or I'm picking lands. And I think for me, that is after inspiring overseer and gathering throng early in the draft. And then backup agent for me in third, that's the one in a white one, one that when ETBs puts a plus one counter on something in blue, we got expendable lackey still at number one. And I've cooled on lackey a little bit, um, since last week, uh, make disappear is currently in the number one slot on 17 lands. This is the one in a blue common. It's a counter spell. It's a basically quench instant counter target spell unless it's controller pays two and it has casualty one. So you could sack a thing and then make them have to pay four, which is going to be a hard counter. I did side in a couple copies of these against an opponent playing girder goons on day one because i was like this is like my only way to try and one for one with this thing but i was shocked to see it at number one this card makes me want to disappear from playing magic when my (laughs) opponents cast it but no this is not the number one blue common there's not a chance yeah i I mean maybe it's slightly better than we thought but like i cannot imagine being excited about main decking this card maybe i will eat my words because there are a lot of cards that have an effect when they etb and we know counter spells are good against that type of thing but this is a little too situational for my taste and doesn't affect the board and i have found affecting the board to be great yeah i'm gonna start messing around with this card this week and see what my feelings are because i'm curious about it i agree i think it'll probably bump down the 17 lands rankings eventually but it appearing at the top of uh, the list right now has me intrigued yeah in the number two we've got echo inspector that's the three and a blue two three flyer and has connive when it etbs you draw a discard and then if you pitch an actual card it gets plus one plus one yeah i mean that four mana two three flyer that pitches a land for you great four mana three four flyer is huge and helps you find a land drop that you want potentially or whatever yeah right exactly cards are very good 17 lands has run out of town in the number two slot that's the three and a blue instant uh put target card on the top or bottom of an opponent's library and then we have the gold commons there and then maybe like a broker's veteran slash run out of town in that uh, number three slot or number four slot. But I think the, the big takeaway here as I'm looking at this and, and my feeling about the format is, yeah, I think you want to have an idea of your common pick order, but really past 
the number one or not even with number one. It's so contextual for me. And I want my draft to be dictated by higher rarity cards. Yeah, I mean, certainly you're much happier in the drafts that start with rares. But I think the more interesting drafts are where you start or or there's more equity to be gained, maybe on the drafts Mm -hmm. where you start with commons and get to start a color, feel out which color pair you want to go into and then feel out whether or not you want to splash some three color cards. I think those are the more skill testing drafts. I agree with that for sure. Moving on to black, we've got Gurgoons as the number one common and 17 lands agrees. Although I would say with a caveat, I think you have to be aggressive for this to truly be the number one black common. I agree. I do still think in like your blue black, I mean, maybe in like your most controlling blue black decks, you would rather have some other cards in in this five mana slash four mana slot. But I think even in a lot of blue black decks, you can have tempo starts, you can have aggressive starts and Girder Goons is still going to be great there. But I agree you with that caveat of it's going to be at its best when you're assertive. But that's because we're always checking stats in best of one where aggressive decks are more prominent and and more supported, etc. Like, I just think Girder Goons is going to be the number one black common. Yeah, that's fair. In number two, we've got Corrupt Court Official. That's the one in a black 1-1 that when ETBs an opponent discards a card. 17 lands has Fake Your Own Death in the number two slot. I have been impressed with Fake Your Own Death. I agree with that. Fake Your Own Death is the uh, one in a black trick. Creature gets plus two plus oh. When it dies, it comes back into play tapped and you get a treasure token, which is a nice little bonus there. Um, I do think Fake Your Own Death is good. I would be surprised if it held the number two slot. Um, I like Corrupt Court Official still. Yeah, quite a bit. And then I think past Corrupt Court Official, that's where I'm starting to take those gold commons. Although I would probably take Body Dropper over Corrupt Court Official, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. It depends. Like as It's hard to imagine a pack one pick one where that would be the case. I don't know. I the fle- It's tough to argue with the flexibility of Corrupt Court Official being able to go in either black, red or black, blue. But yeah, Body Dropper is just great. Yeah. And then past that, Murder, 17 lands also has Murder in the number three slot. But I could see Black's commons. I like them a lot. But again, I'm struggling to find good homes or good archetypes where I'm happy with starting out as black as my base color. Am I allowed to talk about red since I actually like it? Yeah, for sure. I I love red. Wait, whoa. whoa. Let's not put that propaganda out there. Oh, I'm, I I'm, like put, red oh I'm putting it out there, baby. All right. Number one, we got Strangle still. Uh, number two, we've got Mayhem Patrol, the one in a red. One, two, when it attacks, a thing gets plus one, plus oh until end of turn. And it has Menace. It also has Blitz for one in a red. I think we put the gold commons past that. Though I, I might take, again, I might bump Body Dropper up over Mayhem Patrol, probably Fixer still below, and Plasma Jockey uh, as the third best uh, straight red common, the uh, three and a red, three, one with Blitz for two and a red when it attacks, uh, target creature can't block this turn. Plasma Jockey has impressed. And I, honestly, I like Exhibition Magician as well, but I would I would probably put it below those three. Yeah, Exhibition Magician has underperformed for me a little bit. Still good, but less good than I thought it was. And 17 lands agrees with that order, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think red is great, but you have to be aggressive. It's very committing. You have to be focused with red. But like, what else would you be doing with red? Like, that's what all those cards, like Blitz is saying, hey, you want to attack. Like, red is, is a, how can you do something else with red? Right, you can't. But then once you're drafting red cards, it really narrows your options during the draft. And I think that is not ideal in this format. I think having flexibility and lots of paths to go down during the draft is powerful. And I don't Mm -hmm. think you get that when you start red. And if you hit, I think you get a very focused, great deck, but you don't always hit. Yeah, that's fair. All right, moving on to green. Number one, we've got Jewel Thief. That's the two and a green, three, three Vigilance Trample. When it ETBs, you make a treasure. 17 lands agrees, and so does the rest of the community that that card is busted. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Then we've got the gold commons. And honestly, I'm not even sure that it matters past that, what you're thinking about. Like 17 lands has, again, another trick with for the family. That's the single green. I actually don't even know what that card does. Single green plus two plus two. And then if you have what, it gets plus four plus four instead. No idea. I knew it was plus two plus two and plus four plus four. <laughs> uh, 17 lands has warm welcome third, which I'm definitely not in for like that's fine as like a one of sometimes that's the three mana instant you look at the top five cards your library pick a creature reveal it put it into your hand and make a one one citizen but i don't know it's just very contextual maybe glittermonger maybe caldea strongarm rocks pummeler prize fights i don't know there's a lot of mediocre cards for the family you have to control four or more creatures to get plus four plus four there it is wow wow we wow okay so yeah there's the top commons re-ranked and i do think just overall thoughts for the format for me before we go here i think it's cool i i really like the drafts where you have to work hard to find your lane and i do think that's where there's the most equity to be gained in you know drafts where you need to feel out what's open and get to drive the bus a little more on where you end up starting out one color going into two colors deciding do you want to stay this two colored allied pair if not how much do you branch into a family like that's much more interesting than starting with brokers rare taking sparrows adjudicators taking a brokers uncommon and just like playing brokers and taking fixing and certainly your deck's going to be good there but most people are going to be able to draft that seat that way you know Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so two colors if you can and take the top commons highly and make sure you have a good curve and good mana all right any thoughts from you before we head out uh red green for life baby (laughs) Red green for life, baby. I can't <laughs> wait for that to become a thing. <laughs> All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, which you absolutely should be doing, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you over there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Thank you.